Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce my next guest on the podcast, which is Mr. Steve True. Steve's voice you will have heard on many, many um, race commentaries from the Commonwealth Games to the Olympics to ITU Championships to the London Marathon. He's a man you just can't get away from. Um, Steve, we go back a long way. And before that, though, how long have you been involved? Because you post some amazing pictures on, on Facebook and... Your 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 longevity in triathlon is remarkable. Just when and how did you start? <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Um, Dan, it, it's this is what a nerd I am. My first race was September the eighteenth, nineteen eighty three. There you go. It was the big K in Liverpool, and sort of going into it, I'd done um, the Wolverhampton Marathon earlier that year. And had a, had a good race there, but picked up a bug of some sort. So I was laid flat on my back for about six weeks. And I, I needed something to get back to. I needed a name to get back to, but I didn't particularly want it to be running because I thought that was going to be tough. And triathlon had just very vaguely started in the media. It literally was just starting, wasn't it? Was it was 83 the first Kona year as well? Say that again, Dan, sorry. The first year, I think that was the first year of Kona, wasn't it? So literally 83 was, it was all getting going, really. Uh, Kona was, I think, first Kona was maybe seventy-eight. Okay, a little bit earlier. The it wasn't on the Big Island then. I can I can do me research. <laughs> That's all right. But That's it, all right. It really new, and and I, I started reading about it. Um, loved the stories. Thought you know, was was a swimmer as a kid. Um, reasonable runner, so we'll go for that. So did the Big K, and it changed my life. There you are. There's there's a huge statement, but it really did. Some modesty there. You were a bit of a swimmer and a bit of a runner in your youth. I think that's a little under underestimation of your talent, Steve. Surely. <laughs> well, I raced Steve Obet many times. I raced Seb Coe many times, and obviously they owe their careers to me by me allowing them to beat them. Funnily enough, I cannot remember ever being in front of either Steve or Seb. <laughs> interesting. I worked one thing down because I, I did some work with Seb at. Um, the Westminster Miles a couple of years ago, and uh, he, he, he sort of half recognised me, but you know, like who's this bloke? And I said, uh, I said, Seb, last time I raced against you, it was the Intercounties Mile Final, and he went Bristol Palace 19, bomb, whatever it was, and I thought, wow. <laughs> and the, the thing I remember there, we went through three laps in uh, three three minutes and six seconds. Uh, the Intercounties is notoriously a fairly slow race for the sprinters. We all went through together at 3.6. I thought, I'm looking good here. Um, I ran the last lap in 60. Deb ran it in 51. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was well, half a straight down coming in. But he was, he was lovely to talk to and very much um, yeah, very much a, a good bloke. And, um, we, we, we had a good chat about the running. And, and at what time did you, at what point did you decide, well, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, um, but just sort of eased back on the racing and come more into the coaching aspect? Because that's, that's sort of, you know, let, if we jump forward a little bit, um, and basically the reason... The re a, a lot of it was timing because I, I talked for a, a whole bunch of years and um, with, with teaching and also with coaching, I had a, a background in coaching uh, track and also swimming so with us getting involved I think at that time it was very much hit and miss people would just go out and run the miles swim the miles cycle the miles with no to me at that time not a lot of thoughts about putting together a constructive program 
So I got involved, um, I British Rivals was news agent in uh, Dagenham. So we went and had a chat, and I think things just progressed from there. And then I started working worked with the British juniors for quite a lot. I've still got some great friends that I, you know, were very, very pleased to have worked with guys like Ian Hamilton, Richard Allen, um, just, just lovely, lovely times. It, it was a good sort of almost naive, but, but a, a fun sort of time, wasn't it? I, I did my first race in 97 and, you know, you, you think back, XL wasn't there at the London Triathlon. We sort of leaned our bikes up against the local wall for transition and it was just sort of a very young emerging uh, and you know it was it was it was fun in those days i mean not that it isn't fun now but it you know the commercialization and and the professionalism has obviously allowed it to grow and mature but it, it was sort of a different era back then wasn't it it was it was very different and it was very very exciting i think everybody felt we were we were onto something new so my, my first race was 83, and then 84, wow, there was more, more than, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, a dozen races, but you'd see the same guys at every race. So, you know, you could be down at Milton Keynes, and the next week you'd go up to Sunderland, because that was where the race was. And you see the same people, and that sort of a, a pecking order developed, and you keep throwing ideas around. And I, th- I think, again, at that time, you could throw an idea and, and it wasn't immediately rejected. Everyone go, oh, yeah, that's interesting. We'll try it out and see. Um, so, yeah, it was good times. And the, the BTA, now the BTF, was just beginning to emerge. So, yeah, timing. It was timing. I was very lucky. And coaching was different then because, you know, we knew how to coach swimmers to swim fast in the pool and track athletes to run fast on the track and there were obviously the road races and cycling obviously had been you know in its had been going for a long long time but suddenly we coupled all these together and and then you know it was the element of open water was added um you know for the professionals the elites there was the drafting element which may be quite different to a lot of people that had been used to time trialing and then running on on tired legs so there were challenges weren't there Absolutely. It was very, very strange. We had, um, again, with the being involved with the BTA and we, we, we set up a coach education structure. Um, and I remember going to um, have a look at this guy to see what he was doing. And he'd come from a swimming background and he was taking a, a run session on the track. And it was young teenage girls. That, that was a group. Anyway, the, the set that he gave them was it, it was either 8 or 10 or 12 by 800 metres. I just thought, geez, you know, but what he'd done, he'd just said, okay, well, if, if I was having these girls in the swim set, we'd go 8 by eight by 200, so that's three minutes. So, yeah, let's translate to the track. And, of course, that was just that, the, the huge learning curve at that time, that the amount of punishment you could take in swimming, you just couldn't do that on the track. So it, it was interesting. Interesting is, I think, going to be this morning's word. <laughs> and, and technology has emerged and changed. Um, our, our pilot podcast uh, the other day I was interviewing um, a gentleman you know well, Mr. Ralph Robinson, um, a legend in his own sort of drinks bottle, and we know what he often puts in that. Um, but he did Ironman on a, on a standard bike with no tri bars, no race wheels. And, you know, we've seen all of this emerge. And some of the times back then, I mean, if you look at the times from 
Iron Man Lanzarote, and on that was before the roads were resurfaced. Um, do, do you remember Matt Belfield? He he was British record holder for a while. Yeah. You did you ever work with Matt? He he was remarkably fast. And then you the likes of Robin um, Robin Brew, of course. Uh, remarkable times back then with limited equipment, and we've seen that evolve as well. Yeah, it, it, it was very different. I, re- I remember Robin coming into the school after the Los Angeles games. I think uh, I think Rob started with this in '86. And if he does hear, if he does hear this, he'll certainly correct us, Dan. Um, but Robin, Robin was one of the changes of the sport because he came in as an Olympic athlete with that knowledge, not just of swimming, but being around. You know, you go to a multi-sport games, uh, be it Commonwealth or, or Olympics, and you see what other people are doing. Um, Robin, had, of course, was the top swim coach, and he just took lots and lots of things in. And he told us, I think, that it wasn't just an endurance sport. It was very much a power sport as well. And it was um, it, it was a time of huge change. You know, I think back with Robin, Richard Hobson, well, Simon Lessing, Spencer Smith, Matt Belfield, you, you said, you know, these guys were the leaders. They were the game changers. And, and they taught us so much. We, we owe them so much. Uh, it's amazing. It was good times, yes. Um, if we skip forward a little bit, so we actually uh, owe our sort of a... a, a we have a mutual friend in in Sean. I originally met her as Sean Pilling at, at, when I did my couple of years at Millfield School, and then I guess you met her after she married Paddy, and became Sean well, Bryce. Was that right? I met, um, my my first recollection of, of Sean Pilling, Dan. I was working. Um, I was down in Bath, and it was a, a women training weekend, which Sarah Springman had organised. Another great name from the past, and. Um, Sarah said to me, oh, Sean Pinney said, uh, you, you must watch her, Steve. She's a bit of a runner. And a I bit saw of a Sean runner. <laughs> and I thought, no, you got this wrong, Sarah. She's a bit of a swimmer. <laughs> yeah. And then we we got to know each other really well, obviously. And, um, you know, she'd been on a, a track scholarship to Florida State in USA, but had also swum at junior level uh, internationally. So she came in with, you know, this huge skill set and, and physical endurance set. So we're with Sean, and then I think she married Paddy the, the year after. Um, and then we seriously started thinking, you know what? She said, um, we were in, I think it was 95, 96, she said, I, I really think I'm going to try and get to the Olympics, Steve. Would you coach me? Which is one of the nicest things that you can ever hear. So we, we, we said, okay, we had, a, we had a plan. We had a four-year plan to look at what we were doing. And Another and. Thing, was she was a, a top top 800 meter 1500 meter runner we had to translate that into being a top 10,000 meter runner in, in, so that again was a great dual learning curve for both of us and also with Sean good swimmer but not the greatest um in in world term so it was how do we do that how do we get on the draft how do we make that and what can we do on the bike we made huge improvements on the bike because it was so new uh, and again, I mean, it was very much, not, let's not just go out and ride miles. Okay, we do that, but let's try and race speed. Um, and we would, yeah, classic sessions. Um, I, I'm going all over the place here. One thing when I was working with Chris Jones, we coached a lot together, we traveled a lot together. And we had a thing, is there one session that you could use for swimming, cycling, and running? And we're thinking, hmm, interesting. And the one that we thought, yeah, well, pretty much what you can do 
is six by six minutes. This legendary six by six. Massive thing of all, isn't it? Six four hundreds front crawl, one minute recovery uh, on the uh, on the running for a ten thousand meter runner. Six by one mile with one minute recovery and get on the turbo on the bike. Six by six minutes at twenty five mile hour plus speed. So a lot, a lot of the stuff, it sounds very basic, very fundamental now, but we were learning, and I would still say that was one of the great sessions with the guys that I work with now. Yeah, we do it. We do it. So so the, back in Atlanta in 96, um, triathlon previewed as a, as a, a an exhibits, exhibit, exhibition sport. Uh, was that right? Or did it just launch into Sydney? Because obviously you took Sean, uh, or she competed in Sydney in 2000. You were there as British Olympic coach. And, and that was the first year it, it was there as a proper sport, if you will. Yeah, there, wasn't, there, was, there was a lot of talk about the 96 games. Um, and, and we just didn't. Um, we, we weren't an exhibition sport. No, okay. but, uh, You know, a lot of talk from the, um, the Commonwealth Games down in New Zealand, I think, 90... No. whenever it was and um, triathlon was not in but at that time they had Rick Wells they had Erin Baker so all of a sudden there was this unofficial triathlon taking place just alongside the Commonwealth Games which I believe you're not allowed to have another major race going on on <laughs> Commonwealth Games all of a sudden it's, oh actually well this is uh, yeah this would be the exhibition sport going on um, so that, that was another big fundamental thing but Sydney was the game changer Sydney was the game changer. You, you get on the Olympic stage, you have credibility. The other sports start respecting you. You you have a great opportunity as athletes and coaches to work with people in different sports. And I think I learned so much in Sydney in the evening. Wow, just sitting with Jürgen Grobler, the rowing coach, uh, sitting with a whole bunch of swim coaches, sitting down with boxing coaches. Wow, it's and a, amazing listening to what the boxing guys did. It's, in, um, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it, how that, that communication of, of... How much can you learn from him? I, I quite enjoy being at Club La Santa, where obviously it's a multi-sport facility and you get to watch what the running coaches are doing and you hear, the you know, and it's easy to, to meet people and chat and find out what other sports, what other disciplines are, are trying. You know, and, and coaching is, is a lot about that, isn't it? The information gathering, seeing... You know what works there, what transfers across. Uh, it's 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 lovely, isn't it? It is. It's fascinating. And I, what what impressed me so much with uh, with Jurgen was that you know he's been at the top of his game for well now for fifty years, but he was still so open to ideas. What do you do? And with um, but thinking back with the rowers that, that were around that time, we we shared a facility. We'd be on the turbos on the bikes. And they'd be on the on the indoor rowers. So quite quite a lot of chat. And uh, how are you doing this? Oh yeah, that's interesting. Why are you doing this? Because we're going to run off the bikes. We want to be able to monitor. Uh, and they oh yeah, well that's exactly what we're doing. And uh, I was I think the first time I saw all the big guys, Steve Redgrave, you know, and they're just flopping in and out. Bomb. Oh, that's not very uh, that's not very disciplined. <laughs> and then bang, three o'clock, routine. That's it. We start. It was just amazing. Total, total. Learned a lot. And unfortunately, Sean didn't have the best of games. And I, I was there actually watching. And obviously, it, it was interesting because Sean had obviously got married, changed her name. Uh, I didn't make the connection between Sean Pilling, who I'd swum with uh, in school, and obviously this amazing triathlete. Obviously, tri I'd only 
been racing a couple of years, so it was all very new. I didn't, you know, know the stars. Um, and then we bumped into each other. I think it was one of your weekend workshops at Stoke Mandeville, which was a pioneering thing in its own right to take a, you know, a facility, take it over for a weekend, um, get the swim, the bike and the run done. And then Sean appears and close up. Obviously, then I, I recognized this was the person 12, 13 years earlier I'd been at school with, changed her name, got married and was now this phenomenal trial. I w- it was it was just amazing. And, and you know, I I think it was actually Rich Malik and Jenny Gowans who had said, oh, you know, if, if you're getting serious about your triathlon, you should go and have a do a, do a, some sessions with Steve. And, and she, I think you had Sean just on poolside helping you. And it, and it all sort of blossomed from there. And it's been a, an amazing, you know, 15, 16 years we've been doing or you've been going longer. Um, I've been thinking involved in it, the Italy training camp for since 2005 and and just a, a remarkable time in the in the sport um you've also integrated commentary as well when how did that start uh again dan luck timing <laughs> um, background as an athlete when there weren't that many athletes around him talking about triathlon um teacher so you get up and speak to an audience it was great i started i did a couple of little bits when it was very new and then 1994 uh, early in the year i had a phone call totally out of the blue and it was all um bom, 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 grand grand slam here wondered if you'd be interested in doing any commentary on triathlon we don't have oh my god and actually i misheard it I, they said grandstand and i thought oh, we go saturday afternoon bbc um but but grand slam was fabulous and i, I learned a lot about about speaking, about not anticipating, um, really, really good times. Went out to New Zealand for Worlds, learned a lot about that as well, um, working under pressure. But for me, I think one of the the, the great times when BBT were involved, when we were mainstream, really from Sydney onwards, was having the opportunity to work with Stuart Story. Wow. I mean, a fabulous athlete, top coach, to me, one of the best commentators ever up there with Ron Pickering, David Coleman. And he really, he just taught me, Steve, big, let them want the action. If you're going to talk, make, make it worthwhile. Don't just talk for the sake of it. I don't want to hear that. Entertain. You can anticipate a little bit of what may be happening. What you should be doing is saying why this is happening. So it, it was fabulous. Um, I learned so much from Stuart. And then, again, I, I suppose now you guys like uh, Annie Emerson I remember commentating on Annie and of course now Annie is doing exactly the same going through that brilliant. and using her experience as a, an absolutely brilliant commentator on triathlon and and that's taken you to destinations such as Ironman Mexico to Cozumel is that right or the other yeah, lovely one of my favorite races um, again the history behind that I'd done the uh, commentary at Mexico in 95 and, and then a, a couple of World Cups, and uh, the the race organizer at that time, Jaime Cadavell, again, I got an email, in the blue, Steve, would you like to come and do Cozumel? So was there for the very first one, um, worked with the um, Amy Cloner, who is a pro triathlete in the States, and then the last several years, it's been my privilege to work with Michael Lovato, who actually won Cozumel, uh, he got a second and he won, and then retired, and he's, I mean, he does the, uh, all the commentary, I mean, he, he, Iron Man, wow, superb commentator, um, called him my apprentice, 
Brooke Welch was my apprentice for a couple of years, and Mike Lovato, and of course those two now, they they don't know uh, Hawaii Ironman. You know, they're the guys that you listen to uh, as we're going through the night trying to desperately stay awake. Re- really good times, tremendous race, organisation is superb, beautiful island. I um, I hope I'm going to be there in November, um, but we just have to see in the current situation, won't we? Yeah, yeah, they, it is It is hard to make those plans. But also 2012, you were involved in the London Games? Fabulous. I mean, that was, it, I think it's, as an athlete, it's your dream, isn't it? Uh, uh, home Games, yeah. Yeah, so we did the triathlon. I've been working with um, a good friend of both of ours, Dan, Colin Hill. Colin, of course, the race. I, I do hope to. I hope to get him on the show soon. That will be. That will be amazing. As the race director, was he race organizer in for the open water? And uh, I've done some open water commentaries um, with the uh, the great the great swim series. So I was lucky enough to get the commentary for for those, which was brilliant. And then I think it was. So I had the triathlon. Um, I had the open water swimming. And then I had a phone call from BBC head of sport, maybe a month before the games. <laughs> and uh, the conversation went, "Oh, Steve, it, uh, it's Robert Bob I'm here." Said, "No, I understand. You know all about race walking." <laughs> um, actually, uh, no. He said, "Oh, well, Paul Dickinson from your club, who works with us, says you know loads about race walking." And I said, "Well, that's very nice of Paul. I don't know loads about it, but I'm very willing to do my homework." He said, "Okay, four hours." And he came back and said, "Right, you're doing the race walking." That was um, a very, very deep learning curve. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Talk, talk to us about the training camps because, again, people, um, there's so many options for training camps now all around various destinations. But, but again, when you, when you talk to, to you and how long you've been doing these, you know, there's not many people that, you know, you, you could be attributed with, with you know, developing the concept of a training camp because you go back to the late 80s early 90s yeah it was um crikey 18 oh wow 87 my first training camp abroad was 1987 and that was malta malta okay i love malta very much but cycling on the roads there is um i don't mean to be reading i'm sure a challenge would would agree would concur and say really can be quite dangerous and the, the very nature of a training camp, you're going to have some inexperienced people there in, in the three disciplines. And uh, I went out to Italy, where we're based now, with the British Junior team in 2000. And I thought, this is just superb. There's a sport on the side. Everybody is friendly. Cycling is a religion in Italy. You know, if you, you hear a car beeping his horn, he's not saying, get out the way. Like he's saying, I can see you. I'm just letting you know I'm here and you are fine. And it's been absolutely fabulous there. And I think we've, you know, we've built a brilliant relationship with the staff there. They welcome us. They will really do everything that we ask for. Um, so, I don't know, making a good training camp, I think you accept that you're working hard. You, you, you have to create an atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. It has to be funny. You, you've People want to get up the next morning to do the stretching or the run session. People don't so give them the opportunity um as you know Dan, we, we don't give graduation certificates we we give little teddy bear kids and you know this is what you do with kids so we've got a whole 70 60 and 50 year old kids who would die to get that bracelet at the end of the camp it's a little bit of recognition for how hard you worked um you know staying for the day for the day silly stuff sing on the bike 
make it enjoyable for them to come back. It's true, isn't it? Because um, it's interesting how, how your career, you've meandered sort of training camps with the elites. You've learned from that. You've taken that those concepts, those principles. and But actually, you know, the, the concept of a sporting holiday for your, I, I use the word politely, the, you know, amateurs, you know, we're, we're age groupers. We're choosing how we um, spend our free time, our holiday time away from work. And we've, we've come to your training camp and, and, you know, I've become a member of staff with you, which is lovely. Uh, and, you know, you're on poolside, it, the sun's out and these people have trusted their holiday time, their leisure time in your hands. And, and it is, it's entertaining, it's education, uh, information, all those things and, and enjoyment. Absolutely. And I think with, you know, there is, you can mix pros and unbelievers. You know, if we have, I think we have enough staff to be able to do different programs. When you think about Rachel Joyce out there, uh, Fiona, when she, Fiona Ford, when she won World Age Group Championship, now comes back as an athlete and a coach. And, and the last four or five years, the lovely Frankie Sagnana, Frankie, yeah. who you know really made her breakthrough season last year. And would still say that she gets an amazing amount out of the camps. You know what? One of the things in camps, one of the important things is what happens away from training. When you sit coffee or you have dinner and it's the ideas just throwing around. And, it, and it's not just from the coaching at all. It's from the other athletes. What's your experience? You know, they, they will listen to Fiona. Of course they will. You know, she's, she's coaching great level now but she's been there as an athlete and she understands it, it's getting a lovely mix of people and you know you're doing something right when people keep coming back year after year that's good yeah the, the, plus year olds last year six six seventy plus year olds that that's not a bad certificate of you ain't doing bad are you the, re the retention, the return of, of familiar faces is, is remarkable, but it, 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 which is lovely because, you know, it creates a, an atmosphere. People know what, what's going on. But also in the last few years, we've had quite a few new faces and they've been welcomed. They've kept in touch, which is lovely. They, they send race reports from as far afield as Canada. And um, where did Medina come from? Uzbekistan or somewhere? Um, yeah, forgive and then of course the lovely children coming over from Canada every Canada, year. Canada, yeah, yeah. Stick that transatlantic fair on the problem. Not bad. And, and where, you know, the, some people might appreciate a, a little bit of privacy in their apartments and, and they can do their own cooking, but actually coming together for dinner in the evenings, you know, shuffling around, talking, learning about other people, um, it, it all adds to it, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, we used to, in, in Malta, when we first started, and... Um, yeah, we would often go out to eat as a group, but it will be going out. And you've got another element of how much time does that take. Whereas, well, again, what I love in Chesnachico at the Beausoleil is that there's dinner. Staff know us. Um, if people do have individual, well, guys, this is not meant to be an advert, guys. It really isn't. But the atmosphere is great, and they will look after us. And the, the bars and the cafes down on the big front, again, we, we're not clients. We're friends. That, yeah. That's a nice one. Sadly, we're not there next month, um, given the lockdown and travel restrictions. But, you know, it was going to be a big year for them, wasn't it? 50th anniversary of the Nova Collie, the bike sportive, which we all have done, loved in the past. Um, as, a, as a nod to their, the respect of that event 
the Jiro was going to actually utilize the course. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, it's all been deferred to next year, so we will be back. Um, and most people have just deferred this year's camp to next, so that that's another pat on the back that things have gone really well. Yeah, and it's been it's been very interesting with the uh, I mean the hotel were absolutely fabulous. Um, we've had a few discussions with British Airways, but <laughs> we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Um, people have been very generous with the time and. And I have to say, all our guys, all our athletes, oh, don't worry about the money, Steve. Hold that till next year. Wow. That's, um, yeah, I think that's preview for uh, the country. <laughs> if only, if only. Uh, good stuff. Steve, that is our 30 minutes almost up. Uh, it's been a lovely opportunity to talk about, you know, your career as an athlete, as a triathlete. Um, the movement into coaching and commentary uh, I just love to hear the stories and, and you know if you find Steve's Facebook page you will find some amazing photographs of races through the years he you've been a commentator at Windsor at London um, all the way back in you know into the 90s you'll see you know f the people we we've loved to watch racing uh, as they've grown up and gone on to elite performances you you've just seemed to have been involved at all aspects at all levels steve it's been a remarkable career and, and look forward to working with you an awful lot more thanks dan it, it's it's been absolutely lovely i've had i've had the best time it, it did it changed my life wow <laughs> brilliant <I'm crying. laughs> well we look forward to catching up with lunch soon and um telling some more stories uh, appreciate you being our second uh, guest on the podcast and i will let you know where to find this soon enjoy the rest of your day steve and we'll talk again soon thanks so much again. fingers crossed it's not gonna be too long before we meet up again <laughs>